the most powerful people in the world right now are the people that hold the most money. So if you want to change things, if you want to make things better, then building wealth is a very tangible way to increase your power and your decision-making power, your influence in the world. And so money truly is this neutral thing that makes you more of who you already are. Welcome to Make Bank with Marie Wold. I'm Marie, and for the last decade, I've been helping women set and hit unrealistic goals while building their definition of a rich life. This podcast is your ultimate destination for unfiltered discussions about personal development, entrepreneurship, wellness, confidence, wealth building, relationships, and so much more. We're creating our dream lives together, and I'm so glad you're here. Now let's jump into today's episode. Welcome, welcome back to Make Bank. I'm Marie, and I'm so glad to be back on the show. I recently got back from my wedding and a little bit of a mini moon in Italy, and so this is my first podcast back, and that episode is definitely coming soon, or multiple episodes. I'm still kind of percolating on exactly how I want to talk about the wedding because, of course, we need like a recap and the recommendations, the regrets, all that stuff, but there were also so many juicy like lessons and stories. Of course, I'm going to extract all the lessons and all the things for you. So I just need to figure out the best way to tell you everything. But there have been some photo dumps. I dropped our trailer video that we just got back from our videographer on Instagram. So head over there if you want to see the sneak peeks and then be sure to be subscribed to the podcast so that you don't miss those episodes. But that's not what we're talking about today. Today, we are talking about money mindset and specifically how I think about money. And I realized that this episode was needed because I was looking through all the episodes that we've done. And of course, we've had lots of episodes about money with guest experts. We've done lots of interviews with money coaches and money mindset experts and wealth thought leaders and things like that that have been so valuable. But I haven't actually had an episode where I talk about the way that I think about money. And I think that the way I have come to think about money, it has been a complete evolution, is one of the major, major reasons why I am where I am in my business and my life. And the fact that I have a very like grounded, productive, expansive relationship with money is a huge part of my business, how I run my business, the success that my business has, and of course, my life. And I'm going to kind of explain how I've gotten there and the core shifts that I've had to make in my relationship with money and how I think about money in order to get to this place. And of course, this is the Make Bank podcast. (laughs) So we are not shy about money conversations. We are not shy about making money, desiring money, spending money, any of the things with money. We love money here, but we don't idolize money here. Above all, we prioritize having a rich life and being rich in happiness and health and relationships and experiences and memories and joy and passions and all the things, not just money. But of course, we love making, keeping, spending, celebrating money along the way as well. So I'm going to kind of do a deep dive into how I've come to think about money and 
how I have gotten to this space with money. But before I dig in, I want to give a little bit of a disclaimer that this is simply my perspective being someone almost 10 years or I guess 10 years into their entrepreneurship journey. This is my perspective as someone who has immense privilege when it comes to money. I never growing up had to worry about whether or not my parents could put food on the table or whether or not we would have a roof over our head and things like that. So I do want to acknowledge that and definitely acknowledge that the way that I talk about money is not necessarily going to apply to every lived experience. And there are some very real situations where there is real scarcity and there is real money problems and things like that. So I want to acknowledge that and I encourage you to really take what resonates, leave what doesn't. I can only speak from my lived experience and what I've seen with my coaching. I've been coaching women for seven plus years now and of course money comes up frequently with me and my clients. So everyone has a different dynamic. Everyone has a different background. Everyone has a lived experience, but this is what I have learned from my journey and my relationship with money. And I also just encourage you to get curious about any of the places during this episode where you feel a little activated, you feel a little spicy, maybe you want to even get a little defensive. I definitely think take what resonates, leave what doesn't absolutely still applies. But some of my greatest growth has come from sitting in the discomfort of conversations that triggered me at first. And then I was like, no, that could be true for her, but it can't be true for me sort of thing. So I think have nuance, have discernment, have curiosity and lean into this conversation. I definitely don't think this is the only way to think about money, but just by leaning in and exploring the ideas that I'm going to share with you. You're going to expand your idea of what's possible for you. You're going to expand your awareness of how you could think about money. And then you get to decide what you want to do with everything you take away and everything that you leave. So with that disclaimer and just invitation out of the way, let's jump in to kind of the core mindset shifts or pillars that I've had to adopt around money in order to be where I am. And when I say be where I am, I don't mean just with like the success of my business, having a seven-figure online coaching business, but also to feel the way that I do and embody my work the way that I do. So the first real shift and pillar that I had to embody is seeing money as neutral, seeing money as something that is simply a neutral energy, a neutral currency, literally. And that took a hot minute for me because like most people, probably I was brought up with all of the negative money stories of money is the root of all evil. Money doesn't grow on trees rich people are greedy, you can't always have what you want. And even though, like I said, I grew up in a household where we were overall financially stable. And of course, like all families had better times and worse times, but overall we were financially stable. And yet the only times I really saw my parents talk about money, it was arguing or it was in a kind of toxic way. And so I didn't have a ton of 
positive role models or positive inputs for how to think about money. And I definitely was not conditioned to look at money as a neutral thing. I will say the one amazing thing that my parents instilled with me about money was the idea that it always is going to work out and that we'll always figure it out and everything is kind of figure outable. And that goes for everything, but they did directly apply that to money. And I'm so, so grateful that I was able to see them model that for me and live that for me. So that is definitely another advantage that I had. But like so many people, the conditioning and story that I was given around money was that money is something that causes conflict and stress and it's a bad thing to want a lot of money and that dealing with money creates problems and that talking about money is bad and wanting money is greedy and so I kind of had those stories until I got introduced to really the world of entrepreneurship and podcasts and personal development, where I first encountered people openly talking about money mindset and making money and wanting money and their relationship with money. And I realized that how I had been taught to think about it was just really not serving me. And for the first time, I was introduced to another possibility. And one of the first quotes or like light bulb moments that I really had where it allowed me to start seeing money as neutral and let go of some of my fears around money is the phrase, money only makes you more of who you already are. And I can't remember exactly who I heard that from and I might be misspeaking the exact words, but money only makes you more of who you already are brought me such peace because I realized that I had nothing to be afraid of when it came to making money, that it was safe for me to make money, that it was safe to desire money, that other people who make a lot of money can be good people and that money can be a force for good in the world. And entering the entrepreneurship and personal development space is really the first time that I was introduced to the idea that money is an energy and money is something that you can attract and money is something that can flow and money is just another currency, another energy, another way that we can interact with the world and it is a neutral thing. And by really embracing that idea that money just makes you more of who you already are, I realized that money is just a multiplier of power, meaning if a good person is going to make a lot of money, that multiplies their ability to do good things in the world. And same applies for the flip side, a bad person, but the money itself did not make them a quote unquote bad person. The money only multiplied (laughs) the power that they held. And so I love the idea of helping more money get in the hands of women who want to make the world a better place and provide for their families and do good things in the world, in their lives, and feel immense joy and passion and positivity. Like, how can that not make the world a better place? And so that's one reason why I'm just so passionate about helping women make bank while making a difference. Like, we get to choose how we spend that money and how we shape the world. And as you know, the most powerful people in the world right now are the people that hold the most money. So if you want to change things, if you want to make things better, then building wealth is a very tangible way to increase your power and your decision-making power, your influence 
in the world. And so money truly is this neutral thing that makes you more of who you already are. And through that kind of early exploration of money mindset and trying to come to that place of neutrality with money, I discovered that I had actually fears that were blocking me from making more money. I was afraid part of me was afraid, not all of me, but a part of me was afraid that if I did make more money or if I did become a wealthy person, that I would become one of those greedy people that, you know, you hear about, or that is part of the the money narrative. Or I was worried that people would see me differently or that having money, quote unquote, would bring out the worst in me. And so I had to do a lot of kind of reflecting and growing and reframing the the fears that I had. And I wouldn't say that all of me believed those things would come true, but a part of me did. And a part of me was also worried that, oh, people would look at me differently, like family or friends or the people... <laughs> My cat has joined the podcast. Ollie has entered the chat. Or I was worried that people that I went to high school with or college with would see me differently. And to be honest, I don't really even have close relationships with those people anymore. So I don't know why that was a fear of mine. But sometimes our fears aren't rational. Sometimes our fears don't make sense. And what I've learned is that, yes, me having money, quote unquote, having money is very subjective, but having money does sometimes change people's perspective of me. Sometimes people are in their own money stories and they project it and that's their business. It's none of my business. But even more importantly, what I found by me talking about creating wealth, desiring wealth, spending money, all the things money related, me talking about it and being loud about it has given so many women permission to do the same, permission to dream bigger, permission to desire an extraordinary life. And to me, that is so much more important than keeping Becky from high school comfy. You know what I mean? So I think just getting really curious about what triggers or stories you have about money and coming to this place of seeing money as this neutral force of energy and this neutral tool for power and decisions and convenience and time and things like that is really the the first pivotal shift that I made. And that brings us to kind of the second one, which is understanding money as a tool, like really seeing it as a tool to buy back time or energy, a tool to achieve an outcome, a tool to make more money. Like money is meant to be used. And that was something that was not too, too hard for me, but it was something that I did have to get comfortable with and kind of every new level of leveraging money as a tool has required me to learn more and more, lean more and more into this principle. And I would say my first memory of money being a tool, kind of being programmed into my brain, which I'm really lucky for this, is when I was a kid, I was already a horse girl. I was already obsessed with horses and wanted to have a horse when I grew up, blah, blah, blah. And my parents got me riding lessons as much as they could afford to. But of course, I wanted my own horse and I wanted to ride more and I wanted to do all the things. And my mom told me, 
Marie, if you want to have your own horse and ride when you grow up, you either need to get a good job or marry rich. (laughs) And as much as that's kind of like a funny story that we joke about me and her now, it is so true. And I'm really grateful for that conversation that we had because one, it gave me the idea or the commitment that I wasn't going to wait for a man to pay for my passion. So I was like, well, great if I marry rich, but I'm not going to bank on it. So I need to figure out how to make a lot of money. At that point, my mom, of course, was like, you need to get a good job to make a lot of money. And I ended up going the entrepreneurship route instead. But what I really kept from that conversation, even as a young kid, was the idea that by making money, I can have more of what I want or money allows me to get more of what I want, which is horse girl time, having a horse, riding horses, lessons, competing, all the things. And so money was framed as a tool in that conversation, even though it wasn't super overt or it was necessarily like a conscious part of the conversation. But I think my brain kind of percolated on that and was like, oh, if we make money, we can do what we want. We can have what we want. And so that was something that luckily I had in my field of awareness on some level from a young age. But as an entrepreneur, I've really had to learn that in a big way because as you scale a business, you can't do everything by yourself. Like that becomes your biggest bottleneck if you try to do it all on you solo, like being a solopreneur, one woman show can only get you so far. And it is also typically a recipe for major burnout if you go too long that way. And in order to have a team, in order to build really robust systems, in order to scale, like you do have to spend money. You have to spend money to make money. And that was something that I really had to embrace as I was committing to scaling my business, whether it was from six figures to multiple six figures or multiple six to seven figures, what have you, I've had to more and more see money as a way to get me again more of what I want, whether that's buying back time so that I could either work less or reinvest that time into things that were more of my strength or especially revenue generating activities into my business. For example, if I pay let's say $500 a week for a VA to take a bunch of admin work off of my plate. And instead I spend that time making content, getting on sales calls, following up with leads. I'm going to make way more than $500. So spending $500, let's say makes me 5,000. That money I just use to multiply my time, multiply my income and achieve an outcome. So really seeing money as a tool, both in the business, but also outside of the business as well. Like using money to have help with things around my house. Like we pay someone to come every week to maintain our pool, or we just got our dog Rosie back from the dog trainer. And that time and money was so well spent for her because we could have tried to teach ourselves all about dog training and how to accomplish the outcome that we wanted, but we're not professional dog trainers. It would have taken us forever. It would have been harder for her to catch on to the things that we needed. And overall, it would have been us being completely out of our zone of genius and spending so much time and energy on something that's not our jam. So we sent her to dog training for three weeks and then the dog trainer just 
did all of the heavy lifting for us, taught us how to maintain what Rosie has learned and kind of keep her going on the right track. But that was money so well spent to achieve an outcome. I'm also really, really big in buying time back where I can. So for example, I personally don't deep clean my house. Like we obviously clean our kitchen after we cook and we run the vacuum and things like that. But for like a deep clean, scrubbing the baseboards and stuff, I bring in professional cleaners to do that because I don't want to spend five hours of my weekend doing that. I want to spend five hours of my weekend having fun, taking a nap, riding my horse, going to brunch, hanging out with my dogs, things like that. And so I definitely use money to buy time back to save me energy, to bring me comfort. Another example of that would be like, I try to fly business class if I have an overnight international flight. So when we flew to Italy for our wedding, I thought it was worth it to fly business, have the lie flat seat, sleep overnight, arrive super rested, ready to have the best time in our wedding, not be all like swollen and groggy. And that was worth it. So I really see money as a tool to get me more of what I want. And I think the key here (laughs) to actually putting this into action is valuing the outcome or valuing the value created by the money more than the money itself. Let me say that one more time. Valuing the value created by the money or appreciating the value created by the money more than the money itself. So what I mean by that is past a certain point, stacking money in my bank account doesn't help me. Stacking money just for the sake of stacking money doesn't make my life better. Money can only make my life better if I use it as a tool. Money can only make my life better if I use it as a tool. And yes, of course, there's a certain level of peace and safety and comfort and stuff that comes from having emergency savings and having investments and having a retirement fund and things like that. And I do prioritize that. But past a certain point, hoarding cash for the sake of hoarding cash doesn't make my life better. But when I use that money to make me more money, buy my time back, buy my energy back, bring me comfort and convenience that is actually improving my quality of life. And especially using money in your business, if let's say you're investing in mentorship or you're hiring a team member, that money should make you more money anyway. So that's probably one of the easiest places to start is like, oh, there's a very tangible financial ROI, but you have to start valuing your energy more than you value saving money. And that's when money as a tool can really be utilized. And I recognize that all the things that I'm saying sound simple. And I've spent a lot of time kind of distilling down like my thoughts and how I I can express what conclusions I've come to and what my beliefs around money are. But I will say it took me a long time to actually embody and truly believe all of these things. So keep that in mind, like give yourself grace if your money stories or your relationship with money are slow to shift at first. I promise it gets easier. This is something that I have to bring my clients back to all the time, especially my higher level clients who are scaling businesses. Again, like hiring team, maybe they're starting to 
run ads and they are making especially more like long game investments where it might not be as an immediate ROI or the ROI is again like getting their time back, getting their energy back and it's not necessarily a huge financial ROI. This is something that we have to consistently like work through, reflect on, talk through process. So give yourself grace, especially if you're trying to do this on your own. Of course, I'm always going to recommend that it's going to be easier and faster and more seamless if you can do it within mentorship, but it's possible either way. To piggyback off of using money as a tool, the next evolution of that and the next kind of shift that really made a huge difference for me was letting money flow and seeing myself as something that money flows through versus someone who, again, just like stacks cash and hoards money. And of course, everyone wants to have, you know, healthy emergency fund, healthy amount of money and investments and saving for retirement and things like that. But at a, again, at a certain point, you have to be willing to let money go and trust that it's going to come back to us. Because what I found is that when you hold money too tightly, that is counterproductive and can really limit you. And what I mean by that, it's kind of two things, is one, if you hold money too tightly, that means you're unwilling to spend it and use its power as a tool for getting more of what you want, whether that's time, money, energy, results, convenience, blah, blah, blah. And also, if you hold money too tightly, that's usually coming from the energy or the mindset of scarcity or that money is limited. And if I spend this money that I'm holding, it will never come back to me. And if you are operating from that place, and again, this is more so speaking from a CEO mindset, this is not speaking to the very real lived experience of like struggling to make ends meet, struggling to pay bills, things like that. So know that there is very real objective scarcity. That's not necessarily what I'm talking about here. But when you're in the energy of scarcity within your business or within your life, it can be very hard to actualize or realize or like even manifest, let's say, the results that you want. So let me give you an example of that. If I am in that space of, oh my God, I need X amount of money as soon as possible and I need to have at least this much in my account as soon as possible, I'm going to go sell some programs. I'm going to be selling, whether it's my private mentorship, whether it is Online Coach Empire Mastermind, whether it's Online Coach Kickstart, I'm going to be selling that thing from this like desperate, <laughs> needy, like really stressed energy. And I'm going to show up from a scarce, forced, stressed place when I'm promoting it. Even if my words would be exactly the same, <laughs> even if the way that I would say things would be exactly the same, which it typically wouldn't be is what I've found. But even if it was, the energy behind the words does make a really big difference and people feel that. When you are able to let money flow through you and have a grounded relationship with money, doing things like selling in your business or making investment decisions in your business come from a much more grounded, even magnetic place because you already feel safe. You already feel like, okay, I know how to make more money whenever I want to or need to. 
I know how to manage my money. It is safe for me to let money go. It is safe for money to come to me. I'm a great channel for money. When you truly believe those things, you can sell and show up from this grounded place, a place of service, a place of excitement, a place of genuinely loving your work and being excited to facilitate transformations for people. And selling from that space is so much more expansive and magnetic and just is so much more appealing. And even if people can't consciously like put their finger on why you selling from scarcity feels off, they feel it. And even if it's subconscious, they feel it. So if you can shift your relationship with money, if you can get to the space where you're letting money flow, you're not holding on too tightly to money either going out or coming in, you show up in a much more expanded, grounded place. And that is magnetic to the results and the people that you want to be bringing in. Of course, that also works best paired with like a values-based, strategic, empowering, ethical approach to sales. I think that even if you have a good relationship with money, but you are trying to do unaligned or like sleazy sales tactics, it's still going to feel gross and it's still going to land in a gross way with the people that you're trying to sell to. So it has to be both. It has to be the strategy, has to be the mindset, it has to be the consistency, it has to be all of the above. Of course, that is how I teach sales to my clients. Like we, we do sales in a very authentic, genuine, from service and also strategic backed by buyer behavior and sales psychology we combine all of it and that's how you get the best results is the strategy, the embodiment, the mindset, the energetics all at the same time. That's how you get the best result. But having a grounded, flowy, if you will, relationship with money is kind of the prerequisite to any of that even being effective. And finally, I want to zoom in on the idea of spending money to make money because I think that is such a simple (laughs) phrase. It is such a common phrase in entrepreneurship, but when you are not yet in that flow and in the habit and strategy of doing so, I understand that it can be hard to really wrap your head around what that can look like. So I want to give some examples of the ways I have spent money to make more money in my business specifically. And so I'm going to break that into kind of four different, maybe five, five different categories of ways that I have spent money to make more money. So the first place is in marketing and advertising. And I would kind of wrap into that as well, branding. So some things I've spent money on are professional branding and brand strategy. So once my business had hit, I think I had already hit six figures, maybe multiple six figures, even by the by the time I brought in a professional brand strategist and someone to do all the branding things for me because honestly that is something that comes quite natural to me. It's something that I really like doing. Not to be like graphic design is my passion, <laughs> you know that meme, but I do really love that side of business and it's something that comes naturally to me. I considered going to college for graphic design even, but I digress. I have spent money on professional branding, brand strategy, website design, logo design, all of that because I saw 
an opportunity to really differentiate myself from other people in my space by really honing in on my branding, what makes me different, my visual identity, my vibe, because I saw that at the time it was really, really common that everyone had like blush pink and metallics and it was like very light and airy and girly and that just did not feel like me. I'm more of a neutrals gal. I like a little bit of an edge. I like classic. I like a little gritty mixed in with some light and airy moments, but I just like a different vibe. And I think that also reflects kind of my style as I'm more straight to the point. I'm really honest, sarcastic, witty, that sort of thing. And so having a blush pink and gold (laughs) brand was just not going to reflect that and really attract the right ideal clients for me, if you will. So I invested money into brand strategy and I still will pull her in. Her name is Macy. I will still pull her in on like a project basis if we've developed a new offer or building out a new funnel or something like that. And that is super worth it. In the marketing vein, I've also hired copywriters and my girl Kaylee is my ride or die copywriter now. Her business is Captivate Co. and she's amazing. So I'll pull her in when we are building a funnel, getting ready for a launch. I think I had her help with my website as well, if I'm remembering correctly. And that not only buys me a lot of time back because writing copy is really time consuming, but copywriting is by definition designed to sell things. And so by having really strong copy that sells things as best as possible, you can make significantly more money. And so, for example, the copy that she wrote for one of our first evergreen sales funnels, that funnel has done over half a million dollars in profit. And she has contributed to that greatly, obviously, because the copy is a big part of why that funnel is successful. I've also spent very significant amounts of money on ads and on funnels and on ads management. And that is just a way to add fuel to the fire, if you will. I don't recommend that every person uses ads in their business or has fancy funnels, especially if you don't have a proven offer and a proven sales process already. But once you do have that, that's something that you can build out as kind of a sales machine that can work whether or not you are working. And so I've spent very substantial amounts of money, both for my ads manager who runs the ads and optimizes them and really honestly babysits all of our campaigns. And then also money on literally ad spend to put my programs and webinars and offers in front of people. So of course, any money that you're spending on marketing and advertising should be spent with the intention that it's going to make you more money. And I pick these investments very carefully and the financial ROI is definitely a huge priority as is the time ROI, like I mentioned with like copywriting or same would go for if I was trying to learn ads management, that is a whole other beast. I understand the strategy behind it, but learning how to navigate the ads manager and build campaigns and tweak them and optimize them and all that stuff, just not my jam. That would not be a worthy use of my time. Same for learning how to custom code a website, just not worth my time when my time can be spent coaching, creating content, generating revenue in my business. And really, if I was going to do it myself, any of those things to quote unquote, save money, in the long run, that would cost me 
money because it would be taking time away from, again, revenue generating activities, supporting my clients, doing things that are in my zone of genius, and the result would not be as good anyway. So really thinking about it as this is multiplying my time, my results, and money going out is going to result in even more money back in. Another place I have invested big, 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 big in my business is mentorship and professional development and education. So yes, I've like attended conferences, events, workshops, bought courses, that sort of thing. But by far the biggest expense and recurring expense is mentorship, high-level mentorship. I enrolled in my very first mastermind with Jenna Kutcher back in, I want to say 20... 17, 2016. And that was $25,000. And that was my first mentorship investment. So I just went, went in hot. I went from zero to a hundred there, but it was super, super worth it. And that showed me the power of mentorship and community and getting in the room with people who are ahead of you or have done what you want to do. And then I found my next mentor, Sabrina, shortly after that. And I have now been working with Sabrina for four years and I have paid her multiple six figures at this point. I am probably one of her highest lifetime value clients, if not the most. I'm going to actually ask her that because now I'm curious, but I have spent a lot, a lot of money on mentorship and that is worth every penny to me. And honestly, my whole philosophy around mentorship is a episode for another time because there is so much I have learned and so much I believe about mentorship and the way that I approach that dynamic from the client side that I think is honestly life-changing. And I actually made a post about this the other day. I'm wearing like an orange outfit. So if you want to go to my Instagram, that's how you can find it. And the title that you can see on the grid is how I approach my own mentorship investments is a mirror for the results I get in my business. So recommend giving that a read for more on how I extract value and quote unquote, get my money's worth out of mentorship, because that is absolutely huge and has been indispensable in the way that I show up and create results in my business and all the money that I have put in. I know it sounds like a lot of multiple six figures, but that investment level has allowed me to build a seven-figure business. So to me, that is an absolute no-brainer and great ROI. I have learned so many strategies and skills and stuff from that work. But honestly, now four years in, it's a lot more about the embodiment. It's a lot more about being fully supported. And it's a lot about knowing myself and knowing that when I am in mentorship that way, I move faster, I make decisions faster, I am more confident, I doubt myself less, I process sticking points and setbacks faster, and I just feel so much more grounded by having a space to go to when I need anything in regards to my business. And sometimes I talk to Sabs every day, sometimes I check in with her like once a week, and it's not so much about how I can extract every little drop of like wisdom from her, but more about being fully like held and seen in my business. And that's really how our dynamic has deepened over time. And I'm such a believer in investing in mentorship that I'm literally on an indefinite payment plan now with no end date because I just don't see myself ever not being 
in high-level mentorship. And I also super value long-term mentorship because I would not be able to feel so grounded, so seen, so understood, so safe in our mentorship dynamic if I only worked with her for six months or even a year. So if you're kind of on that same wavelength and you're desiring to experience that for yourself, really deepen your experience in mentorship, really be held by someone who has been where you want to go. And of course, elevate your strategies, get a world-class education, do all of the strategic things, the planning, the launching, the growing the team, all that stuff, while also really prioritizing CEO embodiment and mindset and all of the internal work as well. I would love to have you in my new private coaching container. It kicks off on June 1st, and I do keep my private coaching spots very, very limited because, like I said, I really value having a deep relationship with my private clients, but I have more details about my private mentorship, what's included, how it works, what we'll work on, all the good stuff highlighted on my Instagram. It's under the private highlight. I don't have a sales page even for this because, again, it's very limited, very small, usually invite only. So if you're interested, if you are an established coach or online service provider and you have your site set on multiple six or seven figures, you really want to prioritize expansion, growth, groundedness, CEO embodiment, scaling, this could be just the thing for you. So go over to my Instagram highlight. I'll also link it in the episode description for the details. Next steps, you can also send me a DM over on Instagram to chat through options and see if it could be a fit. I digress. The next way that I have spent money to make money in my business in a big way is tech, infrastructure, platforms, systems, things like that. And we invest a lot of money into different software tools, technology that allows us to have streamlined operations that are running smoothly. They're efficient. They are automated as much as possible. They deliver a great client experience. They help everything run smoother, faster, more elevated, and really just make scaling possible. And something that we always keep in mind when it comes to systems and operations in the back end of my business is if everything doubled tomorrow, what would break? And so we're always thinking proactively about what needs to change, what needs to be tweaked, what needs to be more scalable, more automated, more streamlined so that we can grow with as few growing pains and as little friction as possible. I think it's inevitable that sometimes things will break or you can't anticipate every single thing that could go wrong or every single growing pain. But this is a big, big way that we prioritize scalability and sustainability as we take systems and operations very, very seriously. And I invest heavily into different tech and platforms and ways to automate things so that the business can run on its own as much as possible or be run by my team as much as possible, even if I'm not logged in. The next way that I spend large amounts of money, and by that I mean five figures plus every month, is team. And so I have a team of about 10 women independent contractors who are working in my business on a daily, weekly, or monthly basis, usually daily or weekly. And I'm just on retainer with all of them, and they are all the best at what they do, whether that is my COO, my VA, my ads manager, my bookkeeper, my podcast manager, 
my amazing, amazing world-class, and I don't say that lightly, support coaches within my programs. I really have a great team behind me, and I would not be able to serve as many women and show up the way that I do without them. And I'm a big believer in hiring well, paying your people well, really finding those rock star people who can grow with you. And so I'm happy to say that I do spend a lot of money on my team. And I also love the ripple effect of that, of that by working in my business, these women are able to live their best lives and have time freedom and flexibility and be with their family and things like that. So team is a big expense for me, but my team also makes me more money and gets me my time back and keeps my clients happy and are just so crucial for the legacy that I want to leave and so crucial for the impact and lifestyle that I want to have. And sometimes I think about, well, if I had like a much smaller team and I really simplified my business and just was super, super profitable, like as profitable as possible, I could make a similar amount of money. Like I could bring home a similar amount of money, but that's just not what I want for myself. I want a business that is infinitely scalable and that's what we're building. I want to have more impact than that. I want to have a team of women whose lives are better because they work in my business. I want to be able to support more clients than what I could do just on my own. And I love being a CEO. Like I love setting the vision and leading the team. So that's something that I do invest a lot of money in and it definitely pays off, but it pays off in more ways than just the financial ROI, which of course is there as well. That's important, but it just brings me a lot of fulfillment and joy to have them as well. And then last but not least, we also will spend money on research, on consulting, on bringing people into the business for specific routes, for specific audits, for specific consultations. So recently we brought in a funnel strategist to audit our funnel. I've brought in funnel strategists multiple times, actually. I've brought in different people to build out specific systems before I had like a full-on COO and really would bring in people on like a project basis to develop stuff for me as needed, mostly on the like business development, auditing and strategy side. And so I'm again, just such a huge believer in investing back into the business. And I think that's just a bonus <laughs> bonus tip before this episode that allows me to invest so heavily in my business and do so from like a grounded, happy place is I compartmentalize my business's money and my money in my brain. Meaning that the money that my business makes when I make a sale, when our funnel is performing well, when we sign a new client, whatever it is, I see that as a win for the business. When we sell a course, whatever it might be, that's a win for the business. That's money for the business. And I get paid the same salary every month, regardless of how the business is doing. When we're having a really great month, we might have some overflow. Amazing. If we have a ebb month where things might be a little bit leaner, that's fine. I still get paid the same. By the end of the year or sometimes quarterly, I will get bonuses based on what our 
cash balance is looking like. And that is obviously really helpful when you're doing things like paying for a wedding or buying a house or whatever it might be, putting more into retirement and investments, that sort of stuff. But I really do see the business as the business's money. And I see the money that I automatically pay myself every month as my money. That's my money. The other money that's in the business is the business's money. And that allows me to make much more strategic, grounded, like truly CEO decisions because I don't see spending money on smart business things to be the same as spending my money. I do think we tend to hold on to our own money tighter than we maybe would compared to the way we would use our business's money as a tool. I think maybe it's easier to justify, but I've seen that definitely as a pattern with people that we are able to make more grounded, smart, strategic decisions when we see it as the business's money. So that's going to wrap my approach to money as the CEO of a seven-figure business. Again, just as a quick recap, kind of the core shifts that I've needed to make to get to this place with money is first seeing money as a neutral energy. Money is something that just makes us more of who we already are. Also seeing money as something that can be a tool and it having the power to get us more of what we want, whether that is more money, more time, more comfort, more convenience, more luxury, more fun. Money is really a tool, but to be used as a tool, you have to be willing to let money flow through you and not hold onto it too tightly where it doesn't feel like you're able to spend it and use it as a tool. And it's also not an environment where you can call in and bring in money from a grounded and magnetic place. And then of course, spending money to make money is absolutely huge when you're the CEO of a seven-figure business. That does not happen by pinching your pennies. That happens by spending money wisely and strategically, but also again, implementing all of the other kind of principles that I've shared today and not being super perfectionistic or holding on to too tightly that it has to work out exactly, exactly a certain way, trusting that it's going to come back to you tenfold as it goes out. Again, I'm going to link some other amazing money episodes that we have already published to the show with other money experts. I know that those episodes are going to be so, so valuable and empowering for you. And we'll get more into kind of the nitty gritty of wealth consciousness, investing, money strategy, things like that, budgeting. And I think that will perfectly complement what I talked about in today's episode. And as a reminder, my new private coaching container kicks off June 1st. If you want one of our final seats, you can head over to my Instagram and either send me a DM or watch my private highlight for all of the details and next steps. Thank you so much for being here. I loved spending this time with you and I will see you next week in the next episode. Bye.